0: The characters are broad and we're supposed to laugh at them and think that we aren't them. But I think there's supposed to be like an uneasy part that is like he is sort of saying that society is them. Like maybe society didn't act the way they acted, but society permits things the way they do.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 510 with a review of Black Klansman. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're talking about the latest film from Spike Lee, and Mm -hmm. I think we're just going to probably just dive right in. What do you say we do that, Stephen? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Black Klansman and then come back and give you that review. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. Hello. This is Ron Starwood calling.
0: Well, who am I speaking with?
1: This is David Duke,
0: Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God, last time I checked, what can I do for? Him? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans and Irish, Italians and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats and anyone else really that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. The KKK is planning an attack. How do you propose to make this investigation? Well' establish contact over the phone. We'll need a white officer to play me when they meet face-to-face. You for the white race, Ron? Oh, hell yeah. So there becomes a combined... Ron Stallworth. Can you do that? With the right white man, we can do anything. When's the last time they let a rookie lead an investigation? Oh, that's right. Never. (laughs) Okay. Become his friend. Let's get invited back. So what kind of stuff do you guys do? Cross burdens, marches. This is fixing to be a big year for us. You ask too many questions. You undercover or something? We must unite and organize to
1: fight racism are you down for the liberation of black people
0: power to the people
1: all power to all the people all power to all
0: the people That's right <laughs> system for you it's a crusade for me it's a job you're jewish that hatred doesn't that piss you off you're taking this jew lie detector test why are you acting like you ain't got skin in the game i'm telling you
1: the wars are coming black power black power knights of the ku klux klan that's us Stalworth Brothers. We're on a roll, baby.
0: America first. America first. America first.
1: If I would have known this was a clan, I wouldn't have taken this mother... All right, so that was the trailer for Black Klansmen, Uh, essentially is the story of this young man who is the first uh, black police officer in the Colorado Springs Police Department. And uh, one day he decides to pick up the phone and answer like a little ad in the newspaper for the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. And he sort of uh, takes on this persona of somebody and he and other people at the police department work together to try to infiltrate the uh, Colorado Springs chapter of the Ku Klux Klan. Stephen Miller, um, you yeah. have seen this film a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a refresher last night as we went to go see it. Um, yeah, why don't you start us off and let us know what you thought of this film.
0: Yeah, so I first saw this at uh, Cannes a few months ago. And like any festival where you see something, but especially a thing like Cannes where it's like very international and highbrow stuff. It's like seeing a Spike Lee movie about race in america like in the middle of all of these french and italian like snooty flicks it's already going to kind of like bias you a little way like like it's just such a jolt compared to anything else you saw so i i loved this movie when i saw it again, but i wasn't sure if it was like a a reaction to its surroundings like i didn't know in a summer where so many other films about race in america have come out how i would feel about this and I'm happy to report that I still think this is, like, an incredible movie, uh, which is very, very different the second time around. Um, (laughs) So we haven't talked ground rules yet, but I think I want to do a spoiler section for this movie where a lot of my thoughts go, because it's hard to, like, talk about the tone of this movie without talking about where it goes and how it ends. So it's, like, a little hard to evaluate uh, that way. But I just think this is... This is a very uh, provocative movie. Uh it I was reminded a little bit when I saw it of like Tarantino and the way Tarantino will show you people saying like terrible dialogue and he'll kind of like lull you into laughing or kind of supporting a thing only to make you feel like complicit in supporting it later. Like it it's meant to make the audience feel uncomfortable and yeah. unpleasant and I feel like spike lee really really nails that here where for a lot of the runtime of this movie it is playing as a kind of straightforward almost too good to be true like buddy cop period piece of how a man took down the kkk and it's very pranky like it's very satirical in the the kkk operate in a way that like bill hicks had a joke that like have you ever noticed how creationists always look unevolved um (laughs) And and this this reminded me of that where it's like the people who are chanting white pride, white pride are like the dumbest fucking people in the world in this movie. Yeah. It's like a, a completely incompetent group of KKK members being infiltrated by an organization of like very confident detectives. Um, John David Washington, Denzel's son, who plays Ron in this movie, he's like always one or two steps ahead of everyone. He's like preternaturally clever. He's smart. Um, the people in his orbit are all kind of. There are bad cops in the organization, but it's only a handful of them. Like For the most part, like the cops are relatively good in this movie. The KKK are relatively dumb in this movie. And it's kind of unpacking this satire that feels a lot like what the trailers for Sorry to Bother You seemed like, which was going to be a satire of a black man doing the white voice and integrating with this kind of terrible society. And like I think even as a period movie it it has a lot to recommend it it kind of has that like pita- pizzazz like that that kind of dazzle that spike lee has where everything feels a little bit shimmering and there's the kind of long indulgent takes of like people dancing or people listening to uh the rally where brother kwame is speaking or listening to uh harry belafonte's character tell them about like the birth of a nation and the civil rights movement and like there's long parts of this movie that are very like Didactic and meant to be like this is what the 70s were like here let me educate all you new audience members who are watching this to the, what the struggle was yeah and then it also plays as like a very funny sometimes movie and i feel weird calling it funny because it's like the subject matter isn't funny but it is for sure played in very st- slapstick ways from moment to moment like
1: yeah, it's 100 percent meant to yeah um, and it,
0: and i think it's such an interesting combination where it is It is trying to be funny on the surface and then pack a deep fucking punch. And it's hard to talk about without talking about how the movie goes. But I think it's just like provocative is the best way I can say it. I feel like Spike Lee really wants the audience to like feel one way and then feel like the deeper discomfort at the root of it. And I just I love the way this movie lands. I think it's just very audacious it's so many genres bunched up together and like, yeah, I, I really, really, it's not enjoyable all the way through, but I like love that it exists and I'm, yeah, I, I dig what Spike Lee was going for.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, maybe in typical Chris fashion, um, I am very much kind of split on how I feel about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously a film that is dealing with a uh, heavy subject matter. And as you said, it, it, attacks it very lightheartedly like it's making jokes and but i think that at times um the film is is uh i don't know i i I don't like the way it handled the ku klux klan in this film making Mm -hmm. them like the dumbest fucking people as you said like Mm -hmm. there there is a sense that because i mean part of the message of what this film is is that like we are in a racist nation right like it's it's it will directly confront that later on we'll yeah. talk about it in spoilers but like it's a thing that like it's throwing in your face a little bit and i think by portraying this chapter of the Ku klux klan as wildly incompetent not really but like most of them aren't militaristic in any sense they're just bumbling idiots who are like they don't even really know why they're racist they're just like yeah, yeah racist stuff and, and like i think that it slightly undercuts the message a little bit um if i can like in, in in a recent episode i made a joke about how like you know in a film about gentrification at least we in this room aren't as bad as the people. L- List,
0: listeners were quick to point out that we are so. yeah
1: yeah so so I I, I I took some flack for that statement mm-hmm. um rightfully so um uh, but i think that this film goes out of its way to paint the Ku Klux Klan as the other, mm-hmm. as something that nobody watching this film is going to identify with. And I think that in a film that's trying to deal with where we are as a country and how we treat these subject matters, to put the the villains of this piece so far away from anything you could ever feel a connection to at all, it kind of allows you to separate and be like, well, whew, I'm, I'm i'm not that right like and, and it, yeah. it's just it's a weird way to handle this story especially with the gut punch it is trying to throw over the course of the entire film it just it felt i didn't understand why that was uh, the wh- why that uh, that route was taken right. like especially so i mean so most of the klu klux klan members are complete morons but even uh, David Duke, uh, right? that's his name? Yeah. Um, Topher Grace. Topher Grace's character. character, he is performing that role as if he doesn't believe a word he's saying. Right. And I don't get that at all. Like, it, it's a weird thing where it's like, this is supposed to be like the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, mm-hmm. and I'm not convinced that he's even racist. Like, it, it seems like a person who, like did away with him and is wearing a suit of his clothes so I, and pretending I think, to be. I
0: think in that case, because I listened to uh, Topher Grace, like he did some interview where he talked about this. I think in that case, that was the David Duke style where he was like trying to gain power and seem completely respectable and normal. And like that weird kind of uncanny valley of like, do you even believe the hate that you're saying? Like, what are you right now? I, I think that that is kind of his style. But I totally agree with you, by the way, that the movie... The movie is definitely painting a very broad us versus them where the white audience, most of the movie can sit there and be like, oh, I'm not them. You yeah. know, I'm not them. I just think and it's like really hard to talk about. It. I think so much of what is damning about this movie comes. It isn't only in the ending, but I think like the ending informs the rest so much that it's like but, I, I think it's it's fucking with you. So it,
1: it the ending informs the rest but I do know that the ending was added later. Mm. So because I know that, at, le- at least I've read things that claim that, um, because filming had finished before that was added to the film, mm. it makes me question whether that was the original intention or whether that was a thing that was like, oh, you know what would really sell what I'm trying to say yeah. is throw this here. And then it, it, it's, it. I don't know, there's something that just makes me uncomfortable about understanding the true motive behind like the scenes that we're seeing, And it's like, it's, it's a funny film. Like it's handled it like this material is handled in a funny way. And just that level of hu- humor undercuts the seriousness of it. And I think without those scenes, um, like the the beginning scene where you're watching this rally take place, um, you're spending all this time in there and it, it's not a truncated version of this rally. It's like you're, you're watching this for real in real time for a long time and watching the the reactions of the people from the community mm-hmm. and listening to what he's saying and, like, you're feeling the power of that moment. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now right. into this buddy cop film right. where, like, we're, like, making fun of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah.
0: And I, just... I 100% agree. It's, like, a strange mashup. I, yeah. I, just, I, I love that <laughs> part of it. And it's really hard, like, thinking about it without the ending is hard for me to do because I, I see it as one package. And that, that's interesting that, like, it was yeah. maybe made in a different way. I think even... Even without the ending, though, there's a subversiveness to it. Like, the, the character of Ron Stalworth, kind of the arc that he goes on, is he is the first black police officer in Colorado Springs, and he falls in love with uh, Patrice, this student organizer. And there's this dynamic where, like, he believes himself to be the good guy, but she will casually all the time throw out, like, the police are a racist institution, you can't change things from within, there's no way to do that, and the there's something there's like a there's the broad feel-good buddy cop movie but then i think like beneath the surface there's all these things that are like poking holes in like this won't last like this is like an ideal and this isn't the way the world works and i yeah. think there's like a there's a wish fulfillment aspect of it that i think is meant to feel too good to be true yeah, and yeah. that I'm, I'm curious how it lands for people again because i kind of got that sense the first time i saw it but i was in a very like uppity quote highbrow you know place when i was watching it and i'm really wondering how it plays for audiences in general if they take that away or if it's going to be more of the like Chappelle show type audience where they're like ha 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 that you know they shouted the n-word a lot that was funny which is like clearly not what the movie wants the reaction to be but it it is always a danger when you are playing to audiences like this (laughs) um yeah yeah i just think it's like very it's like a like finger in your eye like it's ve- it, it, I I just think it's like trying to get at you in a weird way it's like like the the scenes of Ron Stallworth speaking as a KKK person and the scenes where we see like uh Adam Driver's character flip infiltrating the KKK and they're all just like sharing the most like vile language for a long time yeah. and it's it's played comically sort of but you also don't want to laugh like the audience it, isn't it, howling either it's the That's why I say Tarantino. It's like this weird, uncomfortable place where you're like, I don't know what to be right now.
1: Well, okay. So man, I hate all these comparisons I'm going to do, but like in, so, uh, you and I both watched some movie where Daniel Radcliffe played a guy, a a journalist trying to infiltrate, uh, basically a neo-Nazi group. Yeah. Um, that was not a good film by any stretch of the means. Uh, but uh in that film the nazis were scary like Mm -hmm. they like you believe them and they were scary and the like when they talked like you and i had joked about like daniel radcliffe in a few moments where he's trying to speak to people at a rally and try to say something that sounds racist and it just falls flat Mm -hmm. um but for the most part when they talk it feels like bigoted people talking not a child who heard some racist slurs and then shouts them all back in rapid six. Like there, there was some, there's some level of artifice. I know sure. maybe it's just cause I, I'm not around like Ku Klux Klan members all the time. Maybe this is how they talk, but there's just some level of where it felt like it was trying to say things to make you uncomfortable rather than be convincing. Like it, it I, I can imagine a SNL skit version of this where like, the undercover person is way more racist than the rest of the group is and then everybody figures him out because he's trying too hard right yeah. and i feel it like sometimes the dialogue in the film um i don't know it, it it just felt like a thing where like i didn't i didn't buy them as real people it just sounded like somebody trying to be offensive mm-hmm. on purpose um which...
0: i yeah i i kind of see that i feel like the i i feel like it just played for that that cringe effect. I, I will say the one, the character of Walter, who is like the local leader of the KKK. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily strike me as bumbling or dumb. He strikes me as the one who like thinks he's above it all. But he also is still like a bigoted piece of shit. No, he, he
1: is. And, and that, that character too. He's, he's the one character I, I totally believe. Because mm-hmm. he was the person who was like, he's the leader of that chapter. And he wants to give up his role to somebody else who's more charismatic than him because he just wants them to succeed. Like, I buy his motivations as a character, and I'm fine with him yeah. um, being a, being this person that is believable. I just think some of, like, the the guy who plays... Uh,
0: yeah, the, the i character.
1: Yeah, the i character. Like, that guy is just... He's only there to be funny. And I think that that, like, it, it sort of... Like, if I'm Adam Driver in that scene and this is real life, mm-hmm. I don't think these guys are a threat to anybody because mm-hmm. they're just a bunch of bumbling idiots. And I and I guess I wanted them to be more scary rather than, like, babying us to make us feel like they're not not a threat to anybody and then trying to subvert that later. Like, right. I, I wanted to, like, be scared of them earlier on in a way that I don't get. Yeah, I I,
0: I definitely understand that. I think the... I think there's always here, even before the ending, it's hard not to watch this with some implicit, like, looking for parallels to today, right? Like, characters talk about, you know, America first, like, we need to, like, bring America back to the greatness that it once was. Yeah. There's there's jokes about how America
1: would never elect a president who believes in these type of things. Exactly.
0: And And I think, like, in that lens, like, and I don't know, like, maybe I'm twisting what Spike is doing. To me, like, I, I see those comic beats, and it feels, like, so overtly simplified. Yeah, Like, the bad guys are really bad and really dumb. The good guys are really good, right? There there are very few characters. The only character who is having a real moral, moral dilemma is Ron, because his dilemma is, should I be on the force? Am I, like, am I selling out so, my cause and my people by doing this?
1: So th- that's one of the things that actually expected a lot more of in the film because at the beginning of the film ron is just working in the evidence room or whatever it is filing room and uh, records uh and he wants he wants to be in the field he wants a better job he wants to do anything he's like let me go undercover because i i think i can do that and they're like you're a rookie you can't go undercover so they send him in to this talk so that he can like listen to what is being talked about because everybody in the town is scared about like what what this person is going to speak about and they're like like, oh we got to make sure that everybody is like keeping good and and civil in this area. We got to know what's going on. And you see him sitting there and listen to what's being said. And you see like a little bit of a conflict where he's like, he's like, oh, do I believe in this or do I want to do my job as a police officer? Right. And I think that this film, he has one night where he gets to sit in there and feel conflicted about what he's listening to Mm -hmm. and try to decide what is important to him. Um, like he asked the speaker the one question that the police force would want to hear the answer to. He didn't have to do that. Right. Like, so that that's like you you want that conflict to be there. And with 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 the girl that he's sort of like falling for, that conflict is like, oh, I can't date a cop. The conflict is not, is she right? Right. That's never a part like they have joking conversations about like, whoa, what 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 if I was a cop, right? Mm-hmm. There there's not like a sense of um, this is this is two warring houses. This isn't a philosophical stance on whether you can change a system from within it, or so it, it's there. There's surface level arguments that are being brought mm. up that you can go on and have conversations with outside of the film, but the film is not interested in telling that. It's sort of interested in telling this sure. event that took place. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. Th- I think I agree with you that the and it'd be interesting. By the way, so we saw this with q and A, a Q&A with the real Ron Stallworth, yeah. and they did the Q and A beforehand because, as we'll get into the ending of the movie isn't something that necessarily would make people want to like sit down and talk for 45 minutes in like a fun group afterwards. Yeah. Um, And it would, it would have been interesting to hear his feelings at the time that he was there. Like, was he really conflicted? I haven't read the book yet. I got it last night, but I, I'm curious if like, maybe he wasn't like, maybe the story that Spike Lee is telling is of a, a character who at the time doesn't, feel the weight of the conflict that he's in and it's only like hindsight now that is giving us this feeling of like foreshadowing right of like bad things to come yeah and I, i i do think like this movie lobs up a lot more questions than it tries to answer and that's kind of what i really like about it i think this this is a movie that you can like watch again and just feel more like not certain about anything like it isn't clear who to root for i think the character of flick for instance adam driver's character he is like remarkably good in this movie in that there's no scene where he does what you would expect the white partner in this movie to do which is like sell out racism somehow or like not treat it seriously enough or say something offensive and he doesn't really do that like he has an internal struggle about judaism and how that fits into this Region, But for the most part, he is like almost uncannily good in the movie. And I think it. I don't know, it's just doing an interesting thing where like it lets people be like archetypes. Like it lets them be yeah. the wish fulfillment version. And then it just watches it explode. Um, the, 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 yeah.
1: that, that scene where he is talking with Ron and he's kind of like they're having this discussion. He's like, look, these are Ku Klux Klan members. They hate you as much as they hate me like that that conversation is very very interesting and like it doesn't leave that one moment right like um yeah like flip right uh yeah. he, he's he's dealing with the fact that like he wasn't raised jewish <laughs> he, he has never practiced judaism like he, he it's just a thing that is in his past and like he's sitting here with this place and it doesn't bother him that these people are so racist against him but like over the time spending time with them, that might be a thing that did literally build inside of him and make him um, sort of connect more with Ron in a way that the film doesn't want to explore that much. Mm. Um, but, I mean, it says it outright, so it is it is exploring it. But okay. it's it's like I, I joked before we started recording that like I want the four-hour cut of this movie yeah. because I think that this, this movie is doing a lot of really, really interesting things, and I appreciate what it's doing. Mm. I just i I didn't get the i didn't get what I wanted out of it yeah. like I wanted more it definitely and, doesn't resolve anything yeah like mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't it only wrestles a little to it more lobs like it it's such a hindsighty type of movie in that it like all the themes that it brings up I feel like there's the meta narrative that spike is telling us, which is like look at how these conversations were going on forty years ago right and look at how reminiscent they are to today and look at how like back then they believed they were like stamping out this group of hicks, right? Like they were like taming out like the last gasp of some terrible racist thing and look at how it's lived through all this time and it again, I don't know how much of that is like intentional versus me reading into it just because of like the time that we're in right now. Yeah. But I I think it's just a very interesting movie of our time and and things that are kind of more broadly comic. Like I think uh, the character of Connie, the the wife of Felix, the, yeah. the Klansman, she is, like, the rosy wife who is in the kitchen and wants to be a part of her mm-hmm. husband's work and wants to do it, but that work is, like, terrifying racial violence, and yeah. I think, like, like, that's damning, even though I can't say why, because none of us see ourselves in Connie, but I feel like Spike is saying, like, look at all you, like, good-natured white people who are like yuck, yuck. I, I i don't know there, there's something there where i think it, it is really like pointing at the audience in a way where the characters are broad and we're supposed to laugh at them and think that we aren't them but i think they're supposed to be like an uneasy part that is like he is sort of saying that society is them like yeah. maybe society didn't act the way they acted but society permits things the way they do and they're there are characters at the periphery that are a little more nuanced and realistic who are still perpetuating things right like the the police chief who like will occasionally say things like the biggest threat is the black panthers or like needing security for david duke because that's just as important and the kind of equivocating of like they'll take this investigation seriously quote quote but in the broader scheme they don't really care about these people yeah. and they're focusing on the wrong war so i i think i don't know, there there's a lot of stuff going on here but i do think it's the choice to go the satirical almost too good to be true route is like it's an interesting odd one and like i would be curious to know how other people particularly like black audiences respond to that if they see it as like an over-the-top push that is trying to say something deeper or if they also feel like it's like wish fulfillment like i think boots riley criticized it on twitter today which is interesting like it's a totally fair opinion it just to me like it's kind of like um uh inglorious bastards like where it's like revising history in a way that feels too good to be true yeah but the f- the fact of the like easiness and the giddiness of it like is like saying something else about your violent tendencies and i feel like this movie is kind of doing that about our like desire to sweep racism under the rug i think it I don't know, it, it, it like lingers for a long time
1: yeah yeah, I, I definitely had that feeling about the wish fulfillment type of thing too. Like I I I wondered myself whether the phone call that happens at the end of this film happened in real life mm-hmm. or if that is just for the film audience too. I,
0: I have to imagine it didn't. I wanna think like the last twenty minutes of this movie are mostly like a way tidier bow than real life gave yeah, gave yeah, the character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's it feels like a <laughs> like a Florida project ending where it's like, okay, you watch this whole movie. And now we're going to do we're going to wrap everything up for you for a few moments just to make you feel happy about this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I also just think there the movie is definitely interested in like movies and television and the way popular culture tells these stories. Right. Like, it op- the movie opens with a throwaway bit of Alec Baldwin as a racist person who is like recording a unite the right type of speech
1: but so, so th- okay so tell me what you think about that scene because like mm-hmm. if i if i if i go back to all my other opinions about like the other groups of uh racists in this film it feels like this is a guy who got hired to make this video because he looks right. mean because mm-hmm. he's Alex Baldwin and he is just acting like he doesn't he doesn't believe what he's saying either he's just he's just doing a job that he was supposed to do yeah Um, so i
0: I think the, the narrative there and again i don't remember the first time i saw it how i felt about that scene um but i think the narrative there is kind of the like the idea that like racism can be performed to like appease the masses like the idea of like a political demagogue or whatever that is saying all this grandstanding stuff and he either doesn't he it isn't that he doesn't believe it he just doesn't care like he's using it as a weapon right and he's like bumbling and it's like it's intercutting like the grand like the glory of america and white america with like him fumbling words and not like asking for the next
1: line and trying to figure out like what what would i say meter
0: uh, yeah and and i think like if, if you frame the movie in that way this is kind of a lot about like the different myths that people have about America, right? Like he is giving the myth of like the civil war and how it was a tragedy, but we're, you know, going to rise up and unite. And there's a big portion of the movie that is talking about birth of a nation and like the two different factions watching that movie, which was just completely heightened propaganda about how history was, where it had cartoonishly evil black people and cartoonishly good white people who were like noble and, I feel like the movie as a whole is kind of doing a similar thing where it's showing us a version of history that almost feels like the cop shows of the era like when when I was watching it like I I couldn't help but think about like I I don't know all, all the different uh like TV of the era of like the buddy cop movies and like the rogue cop that you know goes against the officer's orders but tries to do the right thing like the Starsky and Hutch type world versus the uh I, I I don't know. I don't, there, there's just something there about like the, the pulpy narratives that we have for history yeah. that I think Spike Lee is like trafficking in. Like there are moments in this movie where characters are debating like different entertainers of the era and like who could beat up who in a fight and who is better. And it's like, I, I feel like he's making like a piece of pop culture to talk about the way that culture simplifies these stories. And yeah. like he's giving us a oversimplified story for a gut punch purpose, and I don't like I can't untangle all the different ways that it works, but like the total effect on me is like a big one. Still.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think the 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 work as a whole does, is successful. Um, I I just I can't look at it as a whole sometimes. Like I mm-hmm. I, I need to see the I, I I like I'm watching the strings as they're being pulled, and I want to know why each string is being pulled. And mm-hmm. I think that this film left me a lot of the time thinking about the construction of the narrative and why the performances were done that way and kind of taking the style of the film against the subject matter and trying to understand like what that medley was meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that without the ending, like the real ending, I don't know that this film is successful. <laughs> yeah. And then because I know that those things happened uh, separately from each other, it it just makes me... I I don't know how to I can't I can't not know how the sausage was made now right mm-hmm. I'm just like ooh like I know exactly why you did that I don't know why you weren't doing that in the first place <laughs> and yeah. it just I, I yeah I just don't know how to to kind of wrestle with that in my head mm-hmm. so I just watched it and then like enjoyed what it was doing but like critically <laughs> like, yeah. I was kind of like hmm, yeah okay mm, okay
0: I, I think the real like confusing part is it's a movie about contradictory feelings right like. The character of Ron is like feeling a bunch of contradictions because it's like he is a black man in America, particularly like a black man in American law enforcement, and he's like believes in the ideals of this place and he's working towards it, and then he also is seeing that the system is broken. Yeah, and I think and
1: he he says one time out loud like I I've always wanted to be a cop like yeah. uh, that's that's my I've, that's always been my goal I was going to do that and I did and like yeah. yeah and like
0: like so if there's a meta way I can imagine the movie it's that this is Spike Lee like taking a joyride and all those like ideals that he wishes he could believe about America, like the ideal of the, of the good cop and like the buddies that save the day and the bad people who are so overtly bad that they can just get thwarted at the last minute. And it's like, he's taking those ideas out for a test drive and like having, having fun with them because he wants to pierce a hole in it. And like the biggest hole is at the end, but I think, I think there are cracks throughout the movie that feel unsettling in a way that's interesting but it's hard because like i have i have hindsight and i've i've had months to think about this movie too like every other movie that's come out i've thought about it in comparison to black Klansmen, so it it's kind of unfair (laughs) yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah. i i've definitely it is a movie that has like kept giving for me and every time and like sorry to bother you or blind blind spotting comes out yeah it's make the dialogue they're having with this movie feel more meaningful too. So I think it's just like a really interesting combination of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it it definitely is doing doing a lot and it's mm-hmm. it's a lot to sit with and it would would be interesting if I like if this would have been something that I saw a long time ago too and then like rewatched it and like yeah. um yeah, it, 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 uh, I I don't have that benefit. <laughs> no, 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 of course. <laughs> I, I have the the exact opposite of your situation. Like you've yeah. been comparing every, everything to it, and I'm comparing it to everything else. Yeah, and it's just a hard, it's a hard thing to do. Um, right. Yeah, I I don't I don't I don't want to to nitpick this film. It's just a thing that like I I do. No, with I, I think it's um, fair because the movie
0: is <laughs> very like confounding. Like it's very yeah. weird movie. I think it. I think it's meant to be like puzzled over
1: and and i think there's little things too with that that exist outside of the subject matter of the film that made me spend cycles in my brain thinking about like the logistics of this plan of them two pretending to be this guy um this is like this is quote sold as a film about like how these two guys infiltrated this organization Mm -hmm. but like the film doesn't do a good job of showing how they did that. <laughs> like it's kind of like he ca- he calls them on the phone and then they show up and they do things. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely scenes where you can see the two people uh interacting together like ron and flip like having to improvise in a situation for the most
0: part the mechanics aren't emphasized
1: yeah yeah it's not like a thing where it's like oh well we had to do this and then do this and this is how we thwarted their attempt to do this it's like to me that's why the buddy
0: cop thing almost feels like shorthand right it like it feels like it's trying to say something else because it isn't it isn't giving us the like like deep detailed painting of like how these men infiltrated the kkk like it's like it's toying with that. It, like, that's why I wonder how Ron Stallworth, the real one, feels about this movie, because I yeah. think it it is using his story as a vehicle to say broader things. Yeah. And I don't know that his story alone, it, I don't believe it, his story alone is the point, but I wonder if he believes it to be the point or not.
1: But but I think, too, that, like, this film underplays what his story, I mean, I, I didn't, once again, I didn't read the book, I didn't, like, Wikipedia it to figure out exactly what the differences are between them. But, like, I feel like the way the film presents it Once he made that initial call, it would have been safer if he stopped pretending to be, I mean, he he is Ron Stallworth, but Mm -hmm. he accidentally uses his real name while making the call. So, you know, like it, it would be safer for Adam Driver to from then on out be Ron Stallworth himself. Yeah. Like they are endangering both their lives by continuing this farce of having both of them be there and the film doesn't do a good job of explaining why it was a a two person thing like mm-hmm. Ron could have just been his Adam driver's handler yeah. and been the the guy on the mic like helping him like oh but like Ron is theoretically out of place mm-hmm. with the <laughs> yeah so the two g-
0: possibilities are one maybe it is just one of those unbelievably true things where that happens to be the way it went down and so they, like, have to do justice to it. Or another one is just that Spike Lee really wants us to get that, like, cognitive dissonance of hearing the real Ron say all of these yeah. vile things, right? Like, I, I don't know which it is, but that's why I'm curious to read the book. Too, and and, and, and
1: it might be a thing where uh, Ron happened to get David Duke on the phone, and then he worked up a friendship there. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, uh, Flip was going into. The local chapter it might have been one of those things where like they were both sort of juicing two different like <laughs> sides of the the organization i don't know yeah. um but it definitely makes me like I, I i want like the i want like the deep dive uh podcast episode like six six episode series on like how he pulled this off yeah. right like I, I want to know more <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i i'm curious too though like it's like really hard to leave this movie feeling like that's why I felt odd there was a line afterwards to have the real Ron Stallworth sign the book and talk to him and like leaving the movie because of the note that it chooses to end on which yeah. I think is like a, a brilliant directorial decision I'm not I'm not docking it at all but yeah the note that it ends on is like it isn't the note where I want to know more it's the note where I'm just like like I can't tell if this movie is like deeply cynical or hopeful or just angry and it doesn't know which it wants to be like it, it just leaves I, you in such an interesting place it definitely doesn't feel hopeful no me. it's not hopeful <laughs> yeah.
1: um i like, guess it, you're like just trying ma- to round out makes, the options
0: yeah it, like it makes the movie ends on like upbeat credits after everything it's shown and that feels like very bitterly happy you know like it, it feels like a an angry sentiment but it It just puts you in such a conflicted headspace. Like, I I love that it does it, but uh, we'll talk about it in spoilers. But I I, I don't know what I want at the end of this movie, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I definitely wanted to go home, talk about it briefly, and then go to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But anyways, um, should we get to verdicts for this film? And then go on to all the spoiler talk afterwards? Yeah. Um, All right, so we are going to... Get to verdicts right now, Stephen Miller. If you were going to give us a must see, recommend with a caveat. Wait for rental. Pass with a caveat or a must avoid. What would you give it?
0: Uh, Must see. I I love this movie. I think if if we are like discussing all the films of the last few months that have like looked at race in America, this is probably my favorite. It isn't. It isn't as like directly edgy as Sorry to Bother You, and it isn't as vulnerable or emotional as Blind Spotting. But I think it. It's just doing such an interesting thing and it's like Spike Lee is such a like particular filmmaker and he's really like using all of his powers here. And I just think it it it's a big like I I called it uh like ten pounds of C4 thrown into America. Like it feels like a thing that is just meant to explode to audiences and I I'm very interested in seeing the conversations that happen from it and I I just think it's a bold choice. Like it, it isn't the get out of this year either. I don't think it's going to be beloved in the way that get out was beloved. I think it it is way too um of a pro too much of a protest for that. It's like it's just such an interesting movie. I I really respect what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I um I I think it is also a must see. Um it's not as high up there um in this subject matter than the films mm-hmm. that we've seen in the last several weeks. Um, it, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think it executes what it's doing perfectly enough for me to put it above uh, like blind spotting, for instance. Um, but it's, it's a film that you should see. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's worth the watch. I think the, the whole package is worth that experience alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely will give you conflicting feelings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's it's doesn't do everything perfectly but it does exactly what it needs to do for what it's trying to do as far as I can tell um and I think that it's yeah it's still i I've spent this whole episode complaining about it um but that's the thing that I do um and I think that uh, it it's go out and see it <laughs> don't don't let my like spending uh, 45 minutes uh complaining about the film be a deterrent from it but yeah Cool, um, so we are going to close out the episode now. Uh, if you haven't seen the film, go ahead and uh, we'll say goodbye to you now. Uh, for everyone else who has already seen it, um, we are going to you know, finish off Musical Fade Up when the music fades out. We'll be in spoilers and we'll kind of talk about this ending that we've been hinting at and sort of just pointing towards yeah. um, and kind of talk about uh, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so for everybody who won't be joining us, Stephen Miller people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com where I'm hopefully going to write more about this movie and some of the other movies of the last like month or two that I haven't had time to do. Uh, I did reread my can review from this and I feel pretty good about it actually. Like given how sleep deprived I was, I, <laughs> I kind of, I stand by some of those feelings. So would encourage people to check that out if they're curious.
1: Cool. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash IRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Black Klansmen, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And yes, as we said, we're going to take a small little break. Music will fade up. When that music fades away, we'll be back talking spoilers for Black Klansmen. so we are back this is uh, spoiler territory it's the after part of the show we are talking Black Klansmen. Um, full blown spoilers from here on out so if you haven't seen the film yet you might want to go watch that and then come back and listen to this section of the show Stephen Miller why don't you get us started
0: yeah so the the way this movie ends which I think I definitely referenced this explicitly before to people who were seeing it, like uh, Joanna, who came with me. I think I told Chris as well, but I think I think said
1: it at the lunch table. I think no
0: matter what you say, no one is really ready for it when it happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, Um, when when you made the statement um, about what this film was going to connect to, I was like, how are they even going to do that? (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. So the basically the the movie closes with it's a happy ending for Ron and everyone uh the kkk have been thwarted yeah.
1: the the bad this is spoilers so we can say the bad yeah. guys have blown themselves, blown up, themselves up in an yeah. attempt to hurt other people mm-hmm.
0: um <laughs> so the wife is in jail the, the racist bad, cop yeah has been caught by other cops and what i believe is like the most wish fulfillment he scene in the movie where all of the other cops go around and it's like gotcha we got gotcha, you you know in yeah. this very like
1: nobody has to be a snitch it's sort of yeah, like it's that this person dichotomy of
0: all the other cops are good and he is the one bad person it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's all very kind of too good to be true um and, and then, then, uh, then
1: uh david duke yeah uh, ron over the phone while having a pretend con- conversation with him gives up the the Goose? The ghost? What What? What do you give up in the colloquialism? Anyways, yeah. he, he basically lets off that, like, hey, you're dumb. I've been tricking you the whole time. Yeah. And then says a bunch of stuff to him. It, it's all very
0: – it is, like, gratifying in the way that, you know, shooting Hitler in a flaming movie theater is gratifying, right? It is, like, giving the audience all of that that they wanted. Yeah. And then Ron and Patrice are sitting at home – they're having a pretty sober conversation about how she can't be with him because he's a police officer. And then they hear a noise and there's the kind of classic Spike Lee dolly shot as they're going outside to check it out and they see a bunch of Klansmen with a cross burning. And then it cuts to the real life footage of the Charlottesville marches where David Duke was present saying like very similar things that he said in this movie and real life footage of the car smashing into this crowd of people and killing this woman and yeah. running into many, many others. And the, the jolt of like seeing a real life act of violence. Like, I, I don't know who you see in that shot, but it, it seems like a pretty complete aerial shot of a car just ramming through a crowd of people. And the, um the like, I don't know what word to call it. it it's such a like jolt from the yeah, yeah. laughter and celebration that, you were feeling moments earlier, and it um it contrasted with Trump equivocating about good people on both sides. Yeah, again, like hearkening back to the way that people throughout this movie are treating the you know both sides are bad in some capacity, and it uh it it's just like a very it, it, I think it's like a very daring way to end a movie. Yeah, and I think it's a big finger pointed at the audience of like this is still happening you had your happy ending yeah now here is like the world today that hasn't gotten any better at all yeah. what are you going to do about it and it I, I don't know like the the audience both times i saw it were like completely silent like you'd hear
1: a pin drop when yeah and, and, and yeah happened. yeah so i mean it, it is it is as we talked about before like this is a film that's Portraying the clan, the clan like you know the Ku Klux Klan as being bumbling idiots that are mm-hmm. almost funny in their attempts to be villainous, yeah. right? They're they're hilariously villainous, and then you get the moment of celebration followed by uh, this real life sort of like it's the it's the kick from Inception, right? Like right. you're in this dream world and everything is fun and games, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're ripped you out of that. Um, you wake up, and then. It's not just that the audience is silent. The it's the it's it's boom, complete silence. Yeah, the movie is the the movie is silent and mm. you get like I don't know 15 20 seconds, it feels like an eternity yeah. of just pure silence of nobody trying to move, everybody just kind of sitting with what they've watched and then getting up and silently leaving yeah. the theater moments later and then sort of going like fuck.
0: Yeah, and I I just think it's like it's invasive, right? It's in your face. Uh people around me like people i know were crying during this scene like it's very like out of nowhere and emotionally draining and yeah. i just think it's i i really appreciate that move i'm i'm curious how people are going to take it like to me it is i think it is narratively it fits with what he was doing with yeah. the rest of the movie he's kind of underlining or making text what the rest of the movie had a subtext which is that this is all fun and games but i'm going to show you glimmers of how even this cartoonishly fake villain that we beat survives right like even this manifestation this ridiculous thing is still going to make it but something about the way that just like knocks the wind out of you i think it so you're not going to get this reference because you haven't seen it yet but (laughs) i was thinking today another thing that has been quite popular this year is a nanette hannah gatsby's comedy special and in it, She starts off with the trappings of a comedy where she's telling kind of light, silly jokes about different things. And, like, she starts to dissect, like, what does comedy mean and what are jokes good for and what are they not good for? And it ends with her telling some stories and some truths that, like, showing the truth behind the joke. Like, the real thing that happened that doesn't end in a punchline. And yeah. she says that, like, the thing about jokes is it's about, like attention followed by a relief like you you give the audience attention so you can break it later and the breaking is funny for people because they feel like the unclenching of everything yeah. and what she says at the end of the movie is like the end of the special is i'm done with comedy here's my tension you take it i'm not gonna relieve it for you and i feel like that's what this movie is doing is that spike lee is just like handing you this tension and saying like i'm not resolving any of this the end yeah. and it I just think it's, like, a very bold way to handle it. And I'm curious, our audience wasn't, like, roaring with laughter at any point during this movie. Like, there were funny moments, and they were laughing along, but they weren't, like... Nobody was treating this as, like, just a hilarious romp through Hicksville or anything like that. But I'm curious for an audience who has been seeing it as very broadly funny, which I think a lot of people will, how that lands at the end. Like, how damning is it of you right like how does it make you feel in it i just think it's like a very interesting thing that i can only imagine in theaters i can't imagine what it would be like at home watching yeah. it but i think it's like a communal jolt and i yeah, yeah i it's like a fucking edgy move and i think it is well deserved in this movie like it
1: yeah no it, it yeah it wholly justifies the, the film's entire runtime like yeah. and i don't mean that in a knock against the film's runtime because i said earlier that i want the four hour cut of this film mm-hmm. um it's just a thing that like you like i was prepared for it in that you had primed me mm-hmm. in a in a not fully spoilery way um so when it was happening i'm like oh okay and then i was like oh yeah okay <laughs> and then yeah. It, it, it was just it, it, it's it's yeah i i, th- I think that it helps bring you off of that way of experiencing these people as as being like, oh, this is all pretend right. like nobody is this evil. And it's like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people are this a evil lot of people.
0: and a lot of people allow them to exist. Right. I think yeah. that's the, the really damning part of this movie is the the world that like, yeah, it prosecutes the people who had a you know package of c4 to blow up a mailbox but it allows the rest of them to survive and flourish and like it it doesn't take them seriously and i think that is the real villain of the movie is the people who are like allowing a system where like there's a dirty cop on the system like everybody in the police force knows that he harasses black people he does terrible things and they stick together because they're a family yeah. and like they're one of the more incisive lines in this movie is when i believe it's ron says like i know another organization that says they don't rat on each other because they're family too and that i just think this movie is like condemning a lot of people in a in a way that like the undercurrent is there it isn't text ever yeah so it has plausible deniability like it it never explicitly pointed the finger at like us and said like you are to blame but i think the thrust of the movie is saying like all of you like all y'all are to blame like yeah you are all the problem um there are like little sprinklings throughout the movie that i think i i picked up more the second time around that hint at the real world behind the drama um like the the actor who plays the aging activist who is speaking to the uh the black student union while the david duke thing is going on that's uh harry belafonte who was a singer who was like an activist and an ally of martin luther king and stuff in the 60s and like he and baldwin hung out and like talked with robert kennedy and that he was like one of those people who was in the thick of it you know a long time ago and actually saw a lot of this stuff happen yeah and like when spike lee has him go on to speak for this extended period of time while we're seeing like the cuts to audience members just looking in shock while he's telling this terrifying story of a i I think it was the story of a lynching. I don't remember the exact one I, I think it's the same story that Birth of a Nation is based on um just like when Brother Kwame uh is talking and he just like lets the camera linger on people watching. I think yeah. like on a second viewing, there's like an anger that you kind of tap into there when you see like this is like the fourth wall breaking and this is you preaching your actual message, yeah, yeah. where the rest of the movie is padding it, but this is you like letting that fire come out um. Have you seen uh, "Do the Right Thing"? I have not. It. I would definitely suggest it as a companion piece to this movie because it. I don't want to spoil it, <laughs> but it is a, another movie that goes in one direction and then wildly veers in another direction, and like, I I just think that's like Spike Lee's strong suit is he he builds these things that like when everything falls apart you are unprepared for it. Yeah. And it, that's like a, a very interesting talent that I feel like a lot of movies don't do, right? Like there are twist ending movies, but I've never seen, I don't, I can't think of another filmmaker who does movies that like punch you in the face at the very end, the way that, the way that this movie does. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I don't know. I I like that, but admit that makes it so hard to even talk about this as a movie because it feels like missing the point, right? To like discuss the characters or discuss the plot because it's like the point is obviously this modern day horrible thing that is continuing to happen. But yeah. I I think he's just doing a lot of stuff, and so I I it's worth talking about all of it. Like I I think he is making a film that is also funny and sad and edgy and you know uh fantasy and it the whole package is very very interesting to me yeah i've said interesting too many times
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's i'll I'll say it again for you it it, it is doing a lot of interesting things and i think that um yeah it's it's one of those it's one of those films like it's hard to do a podcast where you're used to dissecting films and talk about this film because you can't you can't dissect the ideas it's bringing up you're just dissecting the construction of what you watched um, and yeah, I spent time doing that. <laughs> but, uh but yeah, I, I think, I think it's definitely an interesting ride. And I think that the complete package, um, whether that was the stated goal at the beginning, or it was a thing that developed throughout the filmmaking process mm-hmm. is still extremely successful. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate it for, for what it is and what it did.
0: Yep. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. well, think it's time for us to get out of here so thank you guys for listening we will see you next time
0: bye